Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our church celebrates the second Sunday of Ordinary Time. Now in the second reading, we begin to read from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Now, what we're going to do as a church, we're going to read from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians for the next eight weeks. So it begs the question, why? Why does the church ask us for the next two months to read from this letter? Because this letter, in my opinion, is probably one of the greatest theological works that Paul has ever written. It contains great theology about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, about the Holy Trinity, about the tr- structure of our church. But it also provides an in-depth focus of sacramental theology, primarily about baptism and the Holy Eucharist. More to it, it reveals a very personal side of St. Paul, He's going to express his thoughts and his feelings like he never has before. Therefore, the church asks us to pay close attention to it. Therefore, what I want to do this weekend is talk about Paul, find out who he truly is, in order for us to really appreciate what he is teaching us in the next eight weeks. As I've said many times before, in order for us to understand sacred scripture, We have to understand the whole context in which it is set in. So who is St. Paul? After Jesus Christ, St. Paul is the most influential person in all of Christianity. We all know the story of St. Paul's conversion on that road to Damascus. But who was he before that? I think it's very important for us to know who Paul was before that conversion because that helped to influence and shape his life. Now, Paul, his original name was Saul, and he was born in Tarsus, which is a city on the southern coast of present-day Turkey. He was born as a Jew as well as a Roman citizen. Now, he was also a student of Greek philosophy and literature, and he spoke many languages. Now, because he learned Greek philosophy and literature, he was able to debate very well. He could strongly hold an argument. Therefore, that combination of being a Jew, a Roman citizen, being able to debate Greek philosophy, and knowing many languages, that was the perfect chemistry. You could say Paul was the the quintessential evangelizer. He had all the gifts. And that was extremely important for him to be successful in evangelizing over cross-cultural boundaries. In fact, that's the reason why Paul evangelized two continents— Asia, as well as Europe. Now, at a very early age, Paul's parents saw that he was a very gifted child. And around eight or nine years old, he was sent to Jerusalem to study under the leading rabbi, whose name was Gamaliel. 
Now, it would be synonymous with a newly ordained priest sent to Rome for advanced studies to learn under the most influential theologians. So this was a great honor for Paul. Now, under Gamaliel, Paul learned to read and to write. He studied many different languages. He knew how to speak Latin, Greek, Aramaic. But he also studied the law, the Torah, the prophets, and Jewish tradition. Now, as he advanced and aged, he became more and more zealous as a defender of the Jewish faith. And so it begs the question, what would bother a very zealous Jew like Paul? Well, Christianity, the Christian movement, this new movement that was all about a man who was crucified, rose from the dead, and now is proclaimed the long-awaited Messiah. You see, Paul would find this utterly ridiculous. More to it, Paul would see Christianity as a direct threat to Judaism. Therefore, he would take it upon himself to exterminate Christianity in this new movement. And he did just that. You see Paul coming onto the scene in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, the stoning of Stephen. It said, when they picked up the stones, they laid their cloaks at the feet of Saul, as if Saul was presiding over the stoning of Stephen. Now, what we have to understand, in those days, before his conversion, Paul took everything very seriously. And here he did, as it is told to us in Acts. He was confident, Saul was confident, that he was doing the will of God by exterminating Christianity. If you look in Acts chapter 9, it says that Saul was breaking into Christian households. He was dragging fathers, mothers, and even children off to prison and changed. If you look at chapter 11, it says, Saul still breathing murderous threats upon the Christian church. Well, Saul was a very serious enemy to the Christian faith. Worse yet, Paul's persecution of the Christian church was fully sanctioned by the religious community of the Jewish people, especially by the leadership of the Jews in Jerusalem. Well, we all know that fateful day in which the Jewish leadership in Jerusalem, they find out that up north there's a city in Damascus, and in that city a small Christian community is being established. Well, they commission Paul, go up north, go to Damascus, and nip it in the bud. Stamp out and destroy that Christian movement in Damascus. So Paul accepts the commission. And he rides to Damascus. Now on that road, we all know the story, what happened. He hears a voice that he never heard before. The last person that he expected to encounter, he does. Jesus Christ. He speaks to Paul. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's interesting how Jesus directly identifies himself as the church. And he is. Now, upon hearing this, Paul falls off his horse and is blinded. Now, in some ways, the symbolism is beautiful. Before this conversion, Saul saw everything through the eyes of his own will. Now, granted, he believed he was doing the will of God, but nonetheless, he was doing his own will. He was persecuting the church, and this is not what God wanted. And this is the reason why he was blinded. 
In some ways, you could say God wanted to grab Saul and shake him up and say, the way you viewed the world was not according to the way God does, but instead it was according to the way you do. And therefore, he was blinded. He remained blinded for three days until he was baptized by Ananias. And as he was baptized, it said the scales from his eyes fell off. And now he could see, but he saw with eyes of faith. Now he truly saw that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And now he clearly saw the world as God sees it. And he saw the will of God. And he basically formed his life around it. His whole world was turned upside down. Here the greatest persecutor of our church now would become the greatest defender of our church. That's why Paul says, chapter 1, verse 1, in today's second reading, I, Paul, called to be an apostle by Jesus Christ, by the will of God. See, Paul tells us his mission as an apostle was by God's initiative. It wasn't by his own. Paul didn't wake up one day and just say, oh boy, I had a V8 a moment. You know, I, I should have, you know, joined the Christian community. You know, those guys are pretty cool. I'm going to join them now after I persecuted them so much. No. Paul's telling us, chapter 1, verse 1 in Corinthians, I, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He's telling us this is God's will for him to be an apostle and to follow Jesus Christ. You know, that's a powerful lesson for us all. You know, as I've said many times, you know, your life is not about you. Your life is not about satisfying your wants and your desires and your pleasure in which you're number one and everyone and everything else in this world is number two, takes a back seat. No. Instead, if you truly are a disciple of Jesus Christ, your life is about you in relationship with Christ. And living that out each and every day of your life. And that's what Paul tells us. I, Paul, called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ by the will of God. What Paul is teaching us is he aligned his will to the will of God. And now he knows what to do to be an apostle, which is what God wants him to do. Well, the same thing holds true for us. We have to align our will with the will of God. See, when that happens, then we find true peace, fulfillment, and happiness in life. More to it, when we follow Paul's example, we align our will to the will of God, we come to know our deepest identity. Look at Paul. Paul was seized by God, and now, now he comes to know his true identity. You could say, by following God's will, Paul now defines who he is. Well, the same thing holds true for us. When we align our will to the will of God, well, now it defines who we truly are, our truest self. What we have to do? Surrender to that higher will. And in that act, we truly come to know who we are and we find fulfillment and peace in life. So you say, well, how do I do that? How do I know God's will? Well, you go to Mass every weekend. You pray every day. You, you perform the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. You live a virtuous life. By doing all those things, you come to know God's will for you. And then you live that out. 
and you know your truest identity, the identity in which God created you to be. And so that is a powerful lesson for us. And Paul teaches us that in the very first verse of the first chapter, in his first letter to the Corinthians. See, this is the reason why our church asks us to read from this letter for the next eight weeks, because it is incredibly spiritually rich. It has some powerful lessons for us to help us grow in the knowledge as well as in our love for Jesus Christ. Strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Reread the second reading. It's only a few short verses, but the very first is the most powerful. I, Paul, called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Well, we could substitute our name in there too. We are called by God, by the will of God, to live out our faith. What do we have to do? Surrender, like Paul did. Align our will to the will of God. Then we will find true fulfillment and peace in life. Then we will come to know our truest identity through Jesus Christ. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.